Wellness and Wonder, today with Silvia. I'm going to make a little introduction before starting this amazing interview. Good cooks, like perfumers, learn how to orchestrate ingredients into delicious combinations without thinking about it, talking about it. Silvia assessed her in-depth culinary and cultural expertise to introduce amazing new strategies for wellness that increase amazing, uh, amazingly the health consciousness at the Hispanic culture. Hi Silvia, so nice to have you here. Hi, thank you so much. The pleasure is all mine. <laughs> <laughs> Allora, so Silvia, I know your amazing story, but because maybe if you guests don't know yet everything about you, how does it come uh, that you are so knowledgeable in food? You are the best nutritionist. You have an amazing experience. Where did you start all your adventure? Um, well, you know, my, my parents were missionaries, so they were always caring for people and always, you know, the kind of people that were always giving to help other people. So that kind of like, you know, started planted a little seed in my heart. But then, you know, my mother also was a nutritionist. So then, you know, watching her doing cooking classes and helping people how to cook, because a lot of people, even back then, um, you know, some people struggle in the kitchen. It's not, it's not a gift that everybody has. So, and I, and we believe also that to be, um, to practice good nutrition at home, you need to also, you know, be able to combine ingredients and, and be a little confident in your kitchen so you can make meals that are balanced. And I mean, not always have to be perfect. We don't, we don't strive for perfection, but we strive for, you know, having um, pretty good meals most days of the week, if possible. Um, but um, when I was in high school, I remember um, one of my, you know, this is like uh, in the United States, it's a secondary school. Um, one of my friends was taking a culinary class and they were with nutrition and started these um, nutrition courses. And when she was showing me, it was like a light bulb went up my head immediately. And I became smitten by nutrition and combining the culinary skills with nutrition to really help people understand how to really combine the best foods. And that, you know, and, and even though my mom was a nutritionist too, I never, it really never attracted me until I actually met with this friend of mine. It was, so, I was always curious and I liked the kitchen and I felt like I want, you know, I like to cook, but it wasn't until then that I decided that, wow, this is really something that I want to go. And, you know, back then, I've never looked back. The libel went on and it's never turned off. <laughs> wow. I love it. I love it. I wake up every day and there's nothing more exciting for me than sharing my knowledge and my passion with anyone I can, especially people like you who have in, you know, such a platform to really share this knowledge with other, you know, with your um, viewers and listeners. Yeah, and I can say, as I was a chef before, and a nutritionist, not at the same level as you indeed, I understand what you're saying. And also for me, all this came from a connection of my life. So let's remind our friends how important people are along our growth, because one person can change our life. More than a person is the connection with the person. So beautiful your story, Silvia. Yes. So that we know that eating well is like basically adding a value into our daily life. Mm -hmm. So uh, we know that we are what we eat and we know how nutrition is important and it's become basically part of our lifestyle as we feed not only our body, but also our soul. You wrote amazing recipes. So all the experience you had brought you to write these recipes, or is it, or it is also your inner gut that is telling you what to write on the recipes. Yeah, you know, with the recipes, it's really interesting because as a nutritionist, we are not really taught in school, taught to really cook. I mean, you know, we talk about chemistry and, and the anatomy of the body and the physiology of the body and how things combine and how they, they operate in your body, which is really fascinating. But the culinary aspect, you know, the, the, the food aspect is something that, I, you know, it grew and I learned it on my own. And it wasn't until it, um, I started to work for the Quaker Oats company for 10 years in the culinary um, kitchens that I really perfected those, um, those skills, perhaps, of how to really, you know, become more confident in the kitchen, because I really, I mean, I knew how to make, you know, scrambled eggs and little things like that. But I, you know, to really 
take a recipe or develop a recipe was not something that was, you know, in my DNA. <laughs> but that with time and experience and the, they giving me the opportunity to really explore and expand that culinary knowledge, I became then a little bit more savvy. And, um, and, it, and basically my thing is to make recipes that are simple, that combine more fruits and vegetables in every meal. Because if there's one thing that is the most important thing that we need to be more worried about in our body for food is to eat more fruits and vegetables, especially vegetables. People are lacking and those are the most powerful things that you can add to your body to prevent chronic disease. So every recipe that I have, I've always think about how can I add, you know, this morning here, um, my 89 year old mother lives with us and I always make her her breakfast and all her meals. Um, so lucky she is. <laughs> and this morning, you know, I make oatmeal and I add and make it with milk to make it a little more, more, um, you know, boost in nutritional value instead of water. Yeah. I add raisins or, or cranberries or I add date, you know, chopped dates to add a little bit of uh, sweetness, natural sweetness. And, and then, you know, I serve that with nuts, you know, other, you know, chop some nuts and other fruits into it. So, you know, the more fruits and vegetables that we can add to a meal or a recipe, of course, um, is to the best. You know, you have rice. I say, you know, people add, you know, chop some vegetables and add them. And especially nowadays that we're being so conscious about not wasting food. Because if we worry about climate change and sustainability, I think that's the number one thing is transportation and waste of food that's where we really need to focus not so much in the other i areas. love what you said uh, silvia transportation <laughs> is everything trading of food understanding where it comes from understanding also the fact that during the travel the product of course is fresh but it will never be like when it's local so it's so important right. thank you for mentioning this Silvia. so important to 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 touch on that because i think people worry about you know how can i how can i help and i say the number you know most of yeah. the waste of food happens at home happens at home and i think you know when we think about all the food that we waste we could have gone on a vacation <laughs> at the end of the day that's that much money we spent throwing away food and and think about it not just throwing away the money think about the people who produce that food you yes. know the farmers the energy the water the electricity the exactly. supplies the labor everything that went the land the piece of land that is used all that, you know, they say the waste of the world is the size of China. And China is an enormous country. That is the waste uh, of our food. So if we need to do something is to make sure that we don't waste food. And most of the waste comes in fruits and vegetables and, and also seafood. It's, you know, some of the things that we waste the most at home. So, you know, when we bring those vegetables and fruits at home, make sure that you put them at the center of your home so that you get to... Um, you know, eat them and, and use them in your cooking as your, you know, if you have fish tacos, I love yeah. fish tacos, then, you know, you can add, you know, add some cabbage, add some something on it, uh, rice or cauliflower rice, you know, add, you know, that's a whole vegetable in there, but you can even add more. I add lemon juice to that. I add um, parsley or, or uh, basil or cilantro you yeah. can add even also other veggies as well and even make it more powerful as well by adding carrots or um, yeah. you know peas or something you know and yeah. combining more <laughs> the yes. more the better <laughs> yes, I have a question regarding this, dear Silvia. First of all, I want to say, because I want to repeat it again, how beautiful is what you said at the beginning also, when you said that it gave you confidence. So it is not something that is in your blood, this skill of respecting food and creating food, but it is also a part of your growth and made you confident. So I believe it's also an amazing way for people to start cooking as they they become more confident you know, in their daily life because cooking is about focusing and respecting. It's about adding a value. Amazing, Silvia. Mm -hmm. And so regarding all these things that you said, you, I read an article about you where you talk about the art of flavoring food, but also there is the art of cooking using simple ingredients to understand and constructing flavors. Uh, I love your article, Silvia. So what is about for you the art of flavoring food with aromas and spices? What is it for you, the secret of it? Yeah, wonderful point, Francesca. You know, the... <laughs> 
as a Latina woman, <laughs> I was born in Puerto Rico and raised in Mexico when my parents were missionaries and watching people really add all these bold flavors to food. And when you go to other countries like India, um, you go Mexico, of course, and other countries around the world, food, the flavor, and for anyone, I cannot think of anyone who wants flavorless food. <laughs> okay. Oh. And then the easiest thing for us, of course, if you go to culinary school, the first thing they taught you is to add salt because salt flavors and salt really makes the food taste delicious, delicious. Absolutely now, does. <laughs> right, right. Salt is an is, is easy, inexpensive way to flavor food. And it adds an amazing flavor. However, <laughs> salt also has consequences. You know, too much salt increases high blood pressure and it, it could create inflammation and other things in your body. So I always say, you know, un poquito, you know, a little bit, could be okay. Like I tend to combine it. I have here in my kitchen, I have where I combine um, salt, pepper, and, uh, and garlic powder. Okay. So I combine that and I use very little salt and more of the pepper and more of the garlic. So that combination is, it's an amazing everyday flavor. Okay. Yeah. But herbs, fresh herbs and onions and, um, uh, garlic and things like chiles, if you are, you know, if you like spicy, all these things add a lot of flavor to your food without zero calories. I mean, or basically hardly any calories it, because everything has a little bit of calories, you know, even though it's cal almost calorie free. Uh, and, um, and, and, you know, and that experience that you're looking for, that experience, that umami flavoring that you want, which, which takes you to that wow effect. When yes. you're eating something, think about, you know, close your eyes and think about when, what was the best meal you ever had in your life or one of the best meals? I'm sure you have several, but one of the best meals. And when you think about it, you know, it's like the flavors, the texture comes to mind. And, and when I think about cooking, helping people learn how to cook and how to come how to add more value into that meal with more nutrients. I think about adding those foods that add a lot of flavor and textures into your meal. And of course, making them sure that, that you adding, you're boosting those flavors with things that are good for you and that add more nutrients into your meal without adding a lot of calories, salt, sugar or sat or fats like saturated fats because some fats are very healthy like avocados and walnuts and nuts and almonds you know pistachios all these nuts also have a lot of um uh, flavor in and great textures yet have some calories some fat but they are healthy fats we still have to everything with moderation i always say no matter how healthy it is we always want to have moderation in what we eat. We want our flavor. We want to experience those flavors. And I think it's the world, you know, our theme for nutrition, National Nutrition Month here in the United States is in March. And it was called the world of flavors, knowing the world of flavors. Because I think that's where, where yeah. we need to focus more, you know, on those flavors. And they can come from tomatoes. They can come from different, you know, mushrooms that add a lot of umami flavor. But it could add also by adding a little bit of cheese, could be a little bit of, um, you know, combining things to really get those great flavors. And I think, and then the variety of foods also in the variety of flavors into different meals will also add more adventure into your eating. And I think the eating should be, we should not feel guilty about eating. We should be grateful for what we have. We should experience those flavors with joy and understanding of what we're eating and then knowing the nourishment that is giving our bodies. And now even a lot of these spices too that we know around the world like turmeric even garlic and in all these um all you know i can you know cinnamon all these amazing flavors yeah you know they also give you what some medicinal you know medicinal effects in your body as well so we're learning all these that not only adds flavor, but it, you also help in your body in many ways too like decrease that inflammation that we want to bring down in our bodies. 
Silvia, let's again, we don't change the flavors of ingredients. As Silvia said, we announce the flavor of ingredients. That's respect for food. And also, as Silvia said, feeling guilty, it's really bad in the food world because we should be grateful. Silvia, I love what you say. <laughs> so as you said, to adjust and balance salt and sweet and sour and bitter, umami, fat and heat, it's all about transformation of the different cooking methods. So what is about uh, chemistry of ingredients? How can we uh, inspire our guests listening to you, amazing Silvia, to find this chemistry between ingredients, respecting ingredients? What, what's the advice you can give them? Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the first things that we can think of, you know, when we're starting, let's say breakfast, okay, so let's say we have a, 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 a muesli, you know, which is, you know, people love, you know, a cold cereal, let's say, you know, and you make it overnight, perhaps, you know, you put the oats and you submerge them in milk or whatever, you know, sometimes I do them in juices as well, 100% uh, juice, but um, then you can think about adding a little bit of flavor, you know, you can add a little cinnamon or you can add a little ginger. I mean, think about the spices that really bring you joy and that you love. So that muesli could be enhanced, not only by adding chopped fruits or chopped nuts, uh, but, or like toasted coconut, but also adding that little pinch of ginger or vanilla or um, cinnamon can just round that dish to a wow effect. So think about texture, think about the flavors, and think about the combinations. How can you add more nutrients to that food without adding too many calories? And of course, in the past, you know, we, we flavored things with salt or sugar or a lot of fat. <laughs> but now we're learning that it's, it's more flavorful, it's more fun, it's more um, adventurous to add to think a little bit outside the box and add more texture and flavors to that meal occasion that you're having. So let's think about lunch. You have a soup, okay? So, so easy to make these things. You know, I always think of, you know, just easy things. You know, I don't want to complicate with too many ingredients, too many combinations. No, no, no. You have a simple soup that you start with a broth, you know, which you can make from just boiling or leftover boiling vegetables. <laughs> okay, so you have water that you dip some vegetables. You use that water um, to start the flavoring. And then you add some herbs. And then you add vegetables like carrots or corn or mushrooms, you know, things that will add flavor also to that, to that broth. And, and you can add some meat as well. You know, I mean, I, I don't see, I'm, you know, mostly vegetarian. Uh, I grew up vegetarian. So it's easy for me to gravitate towards more vegetables and, and things like that, because yeah. I grew up vegetarian and, and immediately makes a little more creative in the kitchen. Uh, yeah. But, you know, once in a while, if I'm, you know, in Europe or I go to Dallas, you know, in Texas, where they have, you know, or Brazil or places where they eat a lot of meat, like Argentina, you know, I might have a piece of meat in there just to enjoy and see how they experience these things and what they make and how they make them in their country. I like to experience that cultural vibe that they have from their food that they make yeah. and they enjoy so much so you know you can add a little bit of meat to that broth and 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 then grains you you know to add more more texture you can also add you know like things like barley or farro or wheat berries or something like that to add more crunchiness and these are things that are very inexpensive when you think about it. you know a little bit of meat more grains, more vegetables, and, uh, and you have a great meal. And then you can add more herbs. You can add, you know, also cumin if you wanna, you know, depending on the flavor you want, Mediterranean, Mexican or Latin flavor, you know, you can think about, I have a little chart with like Mediterranean spices or Oriental spices or Latin spices, you know, or Hispanic, you know, whatever. So I have that. So depending on the kind of meal I'm making, whether it's Asian or Mediterranean or Hispanic, Latino, then I add the spices that go with that dish as well. So I kind of have them in mind. And, and voila, you have a wonderful soup. And then you pair it with a nice, fresh, you know, slice of warm bread. And I mean... It's, it's a wild meal with something so simple and so inexpensive. But those that combination that you're adding, those flavors without adding too much sugar, salt, or fat, saturated fats, especially 
<clears throat> that's what really gonna make that meal from just a meal to a wow meal <laughs> exactly. and nutritious as well <laughs> yes and while you were talking about food you were talking about cultures and it's so true it's so sometimes boring at least for a few people to study history by reading it while it's so much more interesting to study cultures through foods so beautiful and it's everything for a lot of cultures i mean i think the way when i travel the world which yeah. i love traveling i'm obsessed with traveling the world um i i think it's a way to connect with people yeah. by breaking bread with them in their home or whatever you are and and also you know one thing that you pointed about, about cooking methods um that's another thing too that i you know in my culture we tend to fry everything and that's you know give us gets, gets us into trouble because you're adding more calories when you are frying something of course it tastes really good because it has crunchiness and, and the, the effect of that it delicious um so i think you know finding ways to have that effect by baking it or grilling it or sauteing you know something in the sauteing something you know different cooking methods that give us that crunchy and that great effect that we're looking for it's also part of the learning curve because we are very wired into just frying things and and, yeah. and we have to learn to kind of mimic that that effect of that crunchiness without adding so much fat <laughs> so true beautiful what you're saying Silvia so much knowledge yes I have an important question regarding fats and saturated fats but because I read as I said articles about you I want to first talk about the mango that you say as a special powers and I know spiritually for Hindus uh, is uh, a fruit that has the symbol of prosperity and happiness so for sure this uh, fruit it's magical in many in many ways what is for you mango Silvia well you know that's a really one of our most favorite fruits <laughs> for Latinos <laughs> mine too and when I read it it's like yes you like it too <laughs> i grew up with the mango tree we in the tropics you know wow. like islands we have that you know that grows very widely in our in our culture so everybody has a mango tree at home and it's something that you can climb in and eat them at your leisure and i have people who send me mangoes from their trees here <laughs> <laughs> so i can experience that here in the midwest which we don't have that you know we'll grow corn and soy here and maybe a little wheat and that's about it <laughs> not a whole lot that grows in this climate but in the tropics you know you have an abundance of mango and you know it's beautiful to see how different cultures you know um adventure with food it means so much for them and they respect that you know and we need to understand that that in some cultures some of these foods are are just kind of sacred for them you know they they mean so much to them and they have a deeper spirituality uh, for them and that's a beautiful thing because seeing food as a spiritual i think is a beautiful thing because really as you nourish your body Yes. You know, think about these beautiful things that really bring you not only um, that joy and, and, and wonderful eating experience, but also it's nourishing your soul and your spirit in your body and your and your organs and everything better function your body, yes. mind, body and spirit. It's a beautiful thing to combine that. And mango, you know, even though we don't see it as an spiritual fruit, like some of the cultures do, for us is the center of a lot of dishes. And when you think about mango in like Puerto Rico or the Caribbean, immediately our eyes widen up like, ah, mango, <laughs> you know, mango, you want a mango dessert or you want a, a, a donut? Oh, mango dessert for sure. You know, and, and that's, and that, you know, it touches into a point that when I as a nutritionist talk about, you know, helping other people eat healthier, you know, have a little bit healthier habits, which is how I call it, building healthy habits. I always gravitate to the things that they love and they grew up with. So I asked them immediately, you know, what are the things that you treasure more, that you have great memories? And then I try to make that 
into a good habit. So if they like mango, hey, you can put it into, you know, cereals, you can put it into a dessert, you can put it into a mango salsa. You, I mean, you can do so many things in so many varieties. So I try to make that food work into a very healthy meal as well. And without overdoing it, I'm gonna say have mango every single meal because we need to have room for variety. And more, the more variety we have, the more nutrients you have in your body. Because, yes. you know, mango has fiber, has potassium, has folate, has um, vitamin C. I mean, it has a ton of nutrients. But you might there might be nutrients that you're not getting from mango that you can get from a strawberry or from berries or from something yeah. else. So it's important that we have that variety of foods. And that's what I think, you know, a salsa, for example, that could have peppers and mango and onions and chili peppers and cilantro and lime juice. I mean, it is just like a a fountain of nutrients and flavors and colors. Yes. I can think of anything more beautiful than to put it on anything, top anything with a salsa like that. And sometimes I get so upset, Silvia, when I, uh, when I, as a spiritual coach, I also propose, propose good food and they, they tell me sometimes, no, mango is fat. And they say mango is good for the digestion, is, help, is helpful for the skin, for the gut, for your eyes, for your heart. How can you say it's fat? I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I get shocked. I know. It's shocking. It's shocking. shocking people, people. Exactly. It is so shocking when people get, it misinformation yes. about something that is so nutritious and so delicious for your body. And I think, oh no, don't deprive yourself from these things. You know, I mean, deprive yourself from alcohol, from cigarettes, from things like that, you know, that deteriorate your body and nourish your body with these things that are, are more, um, you know, that really wake up your body to, um, to, function better every single day yeah. uh and and what we need you know i i i try not to talk about the negatives because i always think that people know what's not good for their body and i try to focus more into the good things that they need to have that they're lacking that yeah. could make their life even more joyful and and, and more nutritious perhaps <laughs> that's so beautiful what you said the only positive we already know the bads so exactly everybody knows what they're doing wrong so why even go there <laughs> Yes, but if you don't mind, I would love to go a bit deeper, even though it's a bit bad, of course, because we have to talk about the bad effects of fats, but because many people, they don't really know the difference between good fat and bad fat. As we know, fat, it's also gives us energy. So there are liquid fats and uh, uh, saturated solid fats. I say it like this, so it's more easy to understand as if we talk about carbon atoms and hydrogen, maybe people get confused. So what's the good fat, dear Silvia, and what's the bad fat that we should consume in your opinion? Absolutely. And, you know, people think, oh, we need to go in a fat free, you know, like we used to think in the 80s, that was like a big deal, like let's go fat free everything. And we understood, we quickly found out that that's not healthy because the body needs fat for the brain and for many different organ functions in our body. Fat really is necessary. Now, the problem is when we eat too much of it or we eat too much of the wrong fats. So, you know, as you were saying, there is the good fats and the not so good fats. And the good, you know, like the liquid fats are the, are, um, the ones that, um, you know, sometimes when they solidify at room temperature, those are the ones that are saturated fats. So we need to look for fats that don't get hard, you know, with, at room temperature. For example, you know, um, fats from avocados and nuts and salmon, you know, fatty fish, um, uh, olive oil, you know, things like that. Those fats are very healthy and very good for your body, for your brain, like, you know, like the fish fat, it's, it's got the DHA and the uh, EHA and all that is like very, very good fat for your brain as well. And when people are little, actually, you know, you have small children, uh, they still developing the brain and fat is a really, really important um, nutrient in the kid's uh, diet. So adding avocado, you know, like we always say, like, you know, one of the first foods could be avocados, could be tofu, even if you're, you know, people are vegan or vegetarian, yeah. you can add tofu because those are foods that are easy to, to, you know, they don't need to have teeth. Uh, and then at one year they could already start eating or even a little earlier than a year, they can already start. Some of the first foods could be avocados and tofu uh, because they have the healthy fats as well, because soy also have healthy fats. Yeah. Um, 
So these fats are great. They have lots of nutrients. Uh, they, can have, they have fiber, they have protein, they have some of them have other um, uh, essential nutrients too for the brain and the body, the eyes and many other organs as well. Now the bad fats, unfortunately, you know, we can use a little bit, you know, like when I go into Romania and they save the fat from the animal into jars. And for them, that's a delicacy. They wet their bread on that and they use it for frying little things and adding a little bit of flavor. And I said, you know, you can use a little bit, un poquito. <laughs> you can use this un poquito. Because the animal fat does, go, does flavor more uh, with a small quantity. So if you have the, the what do they call the control? <laughs> So just a little bit yes. <laughs> and not too much it's okay to add you know a pinch of a little bit of the animal fat into a broth into soup or something that you are sauce or whatever you're making however know that if you have a precondition for heart disease high cholesterol high blood pressure you know all these things that saturated fat is not going to be good because what happens is, you know, you have, you know, your veins here. So let's pretend this is your veins and, um, you know, blood is flowing. The saturated fats accumulates around the edge of the, of the veins and the arteries, especially the arteries. And then it becomes hard because, you know, it's a hard fat. It becomes hard. And then eventually you don't have your, uh, a good circulation of your blood because it's, it's thickening up in there and it's not allowing for the flood of those arteries to get the blood that they need around to go to your heart, to go to your brain. And the less flow, the more high blood pressure you're gonna have, the high cholesterol, um, high triglycerides, LDLs, and all these things that could go really high in your body, in your blood levels, fatty, um, what they call the fatty uh, levels in your body. And eventually, you know, that hole will close with the plaque and with the heart stuff, and then it's not gonna let any blood go in. And that's when you can have a heart attack and many other chronic problems. Uh, so, but it's never too late. You know, as you eat less of that saturated fat, it starts to melt, exercise also melts all that plaque, eating more fruits and vegetables, of course, help eating grains, whole grains like oatmeal. We know that glucagon, the cholesterol attaches to the glucagon and then you excrete it. So there's many ways that you can do to take away that plaque that is rusting your your arteries and vein and not letting them flow the, the 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 blood and not letting them be elastic because you want them to be elastic and you want them to be very very so things can flow very easily you don't want them to be really hard okay and yes. saturated fats harden those arteries and increases your cholesterol and increases your blood pressure and many other problems that could lead to diabetes and cancer and many other chronic disease so more fruits and vegetables you know i cannot stress the 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 importance of having fruits and vegetables in every single meal and snacks as well and grains and then having that combination you know we have those five food groups yeah dairy or substitutes you have the protein group which includes not only meat and fish and eggs and poultry and tofu and all these other protein um, plant alternatives you have the fruits, you have the veggies, and you have the grains. Yes. When you combine at least three of those fruit groups minimum into a meal, that's what we consider a balanced meal, okay? So the more, the better. But if yes. you have at least three, so let's say in the morning you have eggs, add mushrooms, add spinach, add yes. tomatoes, and then you're already adding two. You add a little bit of um, cheese to that. You have three fruit groups in there. You add a piece of whole grain toast, you have four things added into that meal. Same yes. with, the, with the lunch. You know, you have a quinoa, which is a wonderful, Amazing. you know, whole grain that it's so delicious. Yeah. You add, I love to yeah, I love to have citrus juices because I learned that in Mexico, they add a lot of citrus from oranges, from limes, from lemons. Yeah. You know, they add that wonderful flavor that is very powerful, but it's yeah. delicious. So you add that to the quinoa with some mango and you add a little bit of black beans to that. I mean, and you have already a combination of like four, five even, you know, food groups into one single salad. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, and dear friends, let's listen properly to what Sylvia is saying, because as we just said, medicine, food is medicine, so we shouldn't only eat to feel satisfied, but we should eat to feel energized. So let's look beyond the actual food, let's look at the nutrients, and ask, of course, Sylvia, if you need to be creative, and look at the recipes, which are incredible. So why the reason why I was talking about fats is because you focus your recipes on vegetables, and as you said, dear Sylvia, fats come from vegetables too. So let's replace good fat with bad fat because we need fat and vegetables is one of the main ingredients and fruit for sugars. But as we know, we have to be very careful with sugar because sugars is bad to aging. So dear Sylvia, <laughs> I have an amazing question for you about the sugars. Since we know that sugars and aging are in, in uh, inextricably uh, linked, let's uh, talk a bit about sugars, because we all need sugars as they give us energy, but which kind of sugars can be consumed apart mm -hmm. fruits, because we can find sugars in rice, so what's uh, your right. ideal right. nutrition for sugars, so since right. we don't want to age, Silvia? <laughs> we know that a lot of things that we eat convert to sugars, okay, like either some vegetables have some sugar, some fruits have natural sugar, they're all natural sugars, milk also have a natural sugar, you know, the lactose, everything that ends in OSA, lactose or E, uh, that is a natural sugar, so the milk products have a natural sugar, the fruits, the vegetables have a little bit of the sugar, not as much, um, what else, um, you know, carbohydrates like, you know, grains also have a little bit of that of sugar a natural sugar to but that gives us the energy okay now it's important because most of our diet i mean if you're an athlete running marathons like i used to run before you need like 60 to 70 percent of your calories need to come from carbohydrates which is basically sugars okay so those sugars not like we're not talking about a soda we're not talking about candy we're talking about natural sugars complex sugars that provide that natural energy that we're looking for for when we're running and we're doing things now again too you know we don't want to demonize food because sugar has a place you know sometimes when i have uh, an oatmeal i add a little brown sugar to that sugar is sugar so it would be maple syrup or honey or white sugar you know even though one has um it's more natural state like like molasses or maple syrup white sugar is just a little bit less processed a little bit less but it's all processed okay yeah. it's all sugar in the end, the body does say, oh, that was honey. No, the body processes as sugar. So it's all sugar. But we can use it. You know, we can use the honey. We can use the molasses. We can use that in very small quantities. Just like I was saying about the saturated fats, we can use a little bit of the animal fat if you decide to season that. So the same with the sugar. You can use a little bit of it, and that's not going to be harmful. If yeah. you use a little bit just to season a little bit what you're doing. So in a dessert, I up my cinnamon, the vanilla, the ginger, and all these other things. And then I keep the sugar to a minimum, okay? And then you add dates. And sometimes you don't even need any sugar because you can add dates, raisins, like I do my cereal, and then I don't need the brown sugar. But yeah. if I'm at the airport and they give me oatmeal, you know, most likely they might not have the cooked there in the raisins. So then I might put a little bit of the brown sugar because I like that combination. But some people, I mean, you know, my mother could eat, you know, sometimes eat it without anything and she's very happy with that. So yes. it depends on your taste. But if you need a little bit of sugar, like I do, then <laughs> using these natural sources like fruits, um, using your, uh, or dry fruits, like raisins and dates and things like that, yeah. or using just a little bit of maple syrup or honey, you know, it goes a long way because actually maple syrup and honey are a little more concentrated. So then a little bit goes a long ways versus white sugar, you know, because this powder is more uh, granulated, you might need to add a little bit more than you would have, um, for seasoning the same thing. Yeah. Okay. When I see and that everything in exaggeration, um, you know, when we think about aging, you were saying, I'm, you know, at my age, I, I think a lot about aging and how I can preserve my, you know, at my age. <laughs> we all do it, Sylvia, we all do. Having, having so many decades already on this earth, uh, I like to preserve, you know, um, what I have given. And, um, one of the things that have a lot of collagen, which helps us to have more elasticity in our skin is fruits and vegetables, especially the berries and mangoes and things like that. They have a lot of collagen that help us to really keep that elasticity that we need in us. So 
uh, as we dried out, our wrinkles become more prominent. So we need to really make sure that um, we eat lots of fruits and vegetables because the ingrains as well, because I mean, not tons again. I mean, you can eat a lot of uh, vegetables, you know, that, you know, nobody can OD uh, overdose in vegetables, but in fruits, you know, you, you, ha you can have at least, you know, the recommendation is about two, two cups per day. So it's, you know, you have a great amount that you can space throughout the day as a minimum, but yeah know that these fruits and vegetables have a lot of um, collagen and it will help you to keep the skin uh, very, very healthy and looking younger versus you know those antioxidants. They help you to keep, to delay your aging process. So the more fruits and vegetables you eat, the less, the younger you're gonna look. So, you know, instead of worrying about the sugar, I say, you know, just go, salt, sugar, and saturated fats, you need to be very mindful, limit them. We're not saying prohibit them. Yeah. We say minim minimize them because they add a lot of calories, but know that the things that you need more are, you know, are these other foods that are nutrient dense that really um, provide you with other nutrients that are with more with nutrients that are more essential for your body. Yeah. So Beautiful what you said, Sylvia. <laughs> and I want to share with you an example to see if you like it. Sure. When I usually think of sugars, because I, I'm an observer and I love food, I was a chef and for me, it was the best creative job, but Sylvia, but I'm a, I'm a Gemini, so I change job every three years. But for me, chefing is one of the best jobs ever because it's about love and creativity. So regarding this, so I'm very happy I'm meeting you and I'm talking to you. When I was back then, when I was a chef talking about food, I was uh, comparing the human body to the banana uh, regarding sugars, because when we leave the banana open and peeled, it becomes black. And it is the same reaction kind of that the body has with the proteins that it triggers basically a reaction and the, the reaction is, ma is making it happen basically is consuming the body. In this case of the banana is the same that happens with our body, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that and what we what we call that the oxidation of the body. Yes. Okay. And it's and you explain it well, like oh, right, no. like it's an oxidation of, of many things in your body. But what happens is that um, as you do things to your body, you know, like every day that we go about in our our, our our life, you know, we have exposed to smoke, we exposed to chemicals, we exposed to things, but okay, and that creates that some of your cells could damage, like oxidize, you know, what we call it, that oxidation. And and what happens is that the more fruits and the more antioxidants that you eat. So whether it be berries, you know, things that, you know, like things with vitamin C, that's a very powerful antioxidant that creates, that kills those bad cells in your body. Okay. So decreases that oxidation in your body that makes you look older, that makes you look tired, that makes you, oxidation in your body is what we call inflammation in medical terms, is the inflammation. And when you have inflammation, you are growing bad cells in your body. Okay. So these antioxidants helps you to take away those bad cells and create new cells in your body, okay? The sugars so are against this process, right, Sylvia? Sugars are against well, it's, it's not just sugar. It's, it's, it's anything. Sugar, but, yeah. Because sugar, it's a natural thing. And, you know, sugar comes with the beets or comes from the sugar cane. Yeah. You know, it's not so much that one food, you know what I mean? Yes. It's the many things that we do in our yeah. body every yeah. day because we wish we could say, oh, it's just the sugar. And we say to people, stop the sugar and you'll be fine. But it's not that simple. I wish yes. I could say that. I wish it was the sugar that is super bad or whatever, but it's really not. It's really not that what's creating the oxidation. A lot of the oxidation happens when, you know, when you don't move your body, when you're not exercising, your body oxidizes number one, when you are, you know, people who drink a lot, people who smoke, you know, all these things are, that is the most number one triggers. If I say to people, if you need to worry about oxidation, you know, worry about limiting alcohol or decreasing alcohol completely, eliminating alcohol and cigarettes and drugs and all these things, you know, really, you, that needs to be away because that is, was the number one thing that oxidizes your body. I mean, immediately people who smoke, who drink a lot, I mean, they immediately look 10, 20 years older. 
because their body is getting so oxidized. So doing those bad habits, not exercising, not drinking enough water. I mean, simple things like that is what, you know, not drinking enough water, not sleeping enough is another way that you're oxidizing your body. You know, I think, you know, sometimes we concentrate on the food so much and it's really, there's things that are bigger. You know what I mean? Big, we have bigger fish to fry <laughs> than, the food, than the sugar. And sugar, of course, you know, when you eat a lot of saturated fats, a lot of sugar, a lot of salt, that could cause inflammation in your body a little bit. But what really causes inflammation in your body more is having these bad habits in your, you know, and, and it's interesting because I don't know if you heard about the blue zones. Yes. Okay. So the blue zone. So I went to school in a blue zone at Loma Linda University in Southern California. So we were taught how to really eat like the people who eat in for that. longevity people. Yeah. So they study, you know, the people who live the longest. And I used to think yeah. that people who have genes, you know, you're, you're, you have family history of people who live long, that was already a predictor, a big predictor of how long you were going to live. But I stand corrected. 80% of your longevity comes from your lifestyle. Yes. Okay. 80%. And you know what? These people who live the longest, if you, I, I was obsessed with it because I found it fascinating that these people not only get to live to a hundred and more, but these people have, you know, they were swimming. They were already, you know, their cognitive function was amazing. They could read, they can understand, they could do multiplication, they can teach math. Some of these people were doctors still doing surgery at 90 years old. Incredible. Okay. Um, and, and what was so interesting was that these people, it's not that they didn't eat any sugar or anything like that. These people ate beans every day, a ton of nuts, you know, they ate nuts, they have fruits and vegetables. They had, they also ate, um, the exercise, you know, um, they became, they were active every single day, not like in the gym, but they walk yeah. things. They have a, 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 they also have a, a, a group of people to support, a support group, whether it be family or friends, but they ate, you know, a nice, well-balanced diet, mainly of grains, fruits and vegetables, beans, lots of legumes they ate every day. And they also had a spiritual life because worrying and having, you know, thinking that you're so submerged in problems eats you up and increases your oxidation as well. Worrying also, you know, and all these things. So they put the, they had a spiritual life to park, I call it parking your problems into a divine person, you know, who yeah. could really help you to deal with whatever life throws you at you. And I find, you know, I was just last month and, and this is why probably we didn't connect before or sooner. I took my mom to California because my brother lives there and she had not seen him because of COVID. So we took and we spent a whole month there, right there at Loma, you know, around Loma Linda University where these longevity, you know, where they found the most, the people who live longer here in the United States. And it was so interesting to see, you know, I went to lunch with one of my professors who's like over 90, she doesn't tell me her age, but she's got to be 97, 98, at least, if not more. She's still driving. <laughs> she drove herself to the Incredible. restaurant, brunch. She, you know, we talked and she sent me an email last night. I mean, it, and then she met a friend who was 97 next to her. She was, oh, and they were all in different communities. They're busy. It's incredible. And I, and I think, and some of these were not vegan. Most of them were not vegan. Um, and some of them were vegetarians, but not, none of, you know, not that all of them were vegetarian. Some of them ate meat maybe like five times a month. So it was all moderation. Okay. Yes. All moderation and having that lifestyle that really is what's more meaningful, more meaningful to have good habits, the sleeping, yeah. the, the going outside and moving your body, the drinking water, the eating a variety of foods. Those are the essence as of you said, life full of vitality. As you said, having a healthy lifestyle is not about being boring. It's about being creative with food, exploring life like you do, traveling, exploring exactly. cultures, taking care of our soul and body with fun. Exactly. We don't worry about having a perfect diet or having a perfect life. Yeah. We have a perfect life. 
Yeah. Who has perfect? No one. And we need to get away from that perfection that, you know, I am never going to touch, you know, fat. I'm never going to touch salt. I'm never going to touch sugar. You know, that is just not humanly possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not humanly possible. I've never met anybody in my 30 something years, you know, practicing nutrition that doesn't <laughs> eat fat, sugar, and salt. <laughs> it's but it's about limit, you know, limiting the things that our body doesn't need so much and adding the things that our body really needs to function to full capacity, to have that mental capacity, that vitality and that life spirit that yes. we need every day to radiate joy and, and, and energy to other people. I have a question from my friends, dear Silvia. So uh, how would they know what's the best nutrition for them? Because as we know, it's very personal. So instead of going to a normal nutritionist, uh, of course, not everyone can come to you because you might be very busy. But in general, if we can give this advice now, uh, because nutrition is different from everyone, as we know. We can have Absolutely. a lack of energy, maybe we are too energetic. So it depends on how we are. So which is the first advice you would give to people? How can they listen to their body? Because I study with energy, I work with energy, and for me, maybe it's easy and for you too. But for people that don't want to work with energy and they don't want to work with spirituality, but they want to know what's how to read their body language, their need within, how can they do in your opinion? You know, and, and you touch into a good point because nutrition is so challenging because what's good for you might not be good for me you know you have different age you have different cultures we have different genes we have different needs every single person has different nutritional needs so i cannot tell what's good for you for another person because you have different nutritional needs and you have different activity levels different gender you have How Everything. Right. Not a normal nutritionist because no one is like you, Sylvia. Exactly, exactly. So oh. what you need to do, you know, I think the easiest thing, of course, is to, you know, not so much going to the internet and listen to everyone out there, you know, going to sources that are reputable and respected. Um, but the most important thing is that like I was, I think, variety. I mean, there's, if, when people ask me, some of my patients, what are the five most important things to be healthy, okay? If I cannot come to you every day, And I say to them, get a variety of food. So that's what I'm saying. The five food groups, including at least three in every meal, especially in fruits and vegetables at every single meal, it's key to having an optimal health, okay? So worry about adding more fruits and vegetables, especially vegetables into a meal because most people are not eating them, okay? And yeah. we know that decades after decades, people still not eating enough vegetables. Secondly, you know, you've got to drink enough water every day. And it's not just about eight cups of water. We need to think about, you know, soups and the other things, you know, maybe tea, other things that we're drinking as well count as your liquid requirements. And that has gone up from eight to 13. That's how important you can go many days without food, but without, without water hours. Okay. Yes. You cannot go too much without water because your body is composed for almost 70% of your body is liquids, fluids in your body. So you, that's super important. You, if you're tired, think about your liquid requirements that you have, how much water you're drinking, you know, for medicine, for many functions in your body that you're doing, you need liquid, your exercise, you need extra liquids. And I don't say drink soda, you know, but Anything liquid counts, but I say, you know, make sure, you know, like I will drink a big cup and I put a little bit of juice. I put lemon juice, I put fruit slices, I put basil, I put rosemary, whatever I have in hand, I might add it to my water to make it more flavorful. It makes me drink it more. I put, you know, a handful of berries. I throw them in there if I have in my refrigerator. I mean, anything that I have, herbs or whatever sitting in there, I add it to flavor my water and make it really good. Sleeping is another great predictor. People say that people that don't sleep, research have shown people who don't sleep well have, um, you know, are more obese, predisposed to obesity, predisposed to diabetes and other chronic disease. So you got to get your sleep. Okay. Yeah. And that's a whole other segment. Um, you got to have a spiritual life, you know, and you got to move. You no, got to spiritual move. life is the secret to our happiness. Exactly. Exactly. Without that divine intervention, we're really nobody. And I think these things combine, you know, the, the sleep, the water, the variety of foods, the movement and the spiritual life. Those are things that are vital. Okay. To yeah. having 
optimal health. Yeah, I agree with you, Silvia. And um, is uh, there is a question that uh, I hope you won't be upset if I ask you, but because uh, I know the amazing value you have and the knowledge, I was super impressed that Coca-Cola and Kellogg's, which for me are so fake as companies, and I'm not scared to tell online, do you think, of course, maybe, uh, do you think it was a way for them to do marketing using your knowledge and amazing fame to uh, basically tell the public and tell people that uh, the recipes are healthy while they're, while they're not? So what's the connection you have with these big corporations that are incredibly famous, but we know they're not very healthy? Why, Sylvie, they asked you to be part of it if you are the most pure amazing chef and nutritionist in the world? That's a great question. And many people ask me that for many, many years. <laughs> and I tell you this, you know, okay, these companies, you know, like I say, Coca-Cola, you know, yeah. they also make water, you know, they have the sunny water, they have juices, they have a gazillion, they own all the beverages of the world practically. Yeah. Same with cereal companies like Kellogg's or General Mills. They not only own, you know, like Frosted Flakes, they own Kashi, they own, and those are the things that we have created, okay? So this is where we come into place, okay? And when I started working, I started working, I started my first encounter with the industry, the yeah. food industry, when I came to Quaker, okay? And I started to develop recipes for the tube of oatmeal. And it, all, a lot of those recipes, I develop them. Okay, so for them to hire dietitians, okay, this is yeah. what we come into place. These companies, if we do not steer them, all those new products that you see in the market that have more fiber, less sugar, less fat, we have decreased their cereal sugars by 50% in those cereals. The sodas, we created, you know, we helped them to have the smaller cans. So people, because we know that people drink uh, the whole thing. That's your help, friends. Okay. Okay. So, so we come into place, I don't going to say as the police people, but we still, because we have the knowledge, we can help them create new products. We can help them decrease the salt. McDonald's, for example. <sighs> You know, I brought the oatmeal to McDonald's. I helped create, bring the oatmeal into the menu. It became one of the most famous things in the menu. Wow. For years, we wanted to bring oatmeal into a menu as of, as of McDonald's. But they, you know, they were not ready yet. The public wasn't ready. Public wants these things all the time. And when you decrease the sugar, they become very angry <laughs> at you as a company. But we... As the experts, we come into place to do things suddenly and to do things in a way, you know, by decreasing, for example, the colors and adding beets color and things like that. You know, we bring the creativity and the knowledge to make their foods not only yeah. to keep them palatable and desirable to the public, yeah. but at the same time, the, you know, those cereals have iron, folic acid, folate. They have seven grams of fiber. Some of them have seven, eight grams of fiber. I mean, we have done so good for some of the, you know, for most of these companies yeah. when they're hired dietitians. But then at the same time, people, when they see our name tied to these companies, they immediately think, oh no, they're selling, you know, they're using them to sell the Frosted Flakes. Not at all. Yeah. You have never yeah. seen me saying to people, oh, you have to, you know, I might say to them, you can, if you want to have more fiber, you can combine a, a, high, a little higher sugar cereal with a more fiber cereal. But we will never say to people, oh, eat more sugar. No, I mean, that's not in our, you know, we're, we're nutritionists. We know better. People know better. But what we help these companies is to really create products that bring more fiber and more of the nutrients that people need. Okay, yeah. and, and decrease without even the having the public even know. And the reason why they don't publicize this is because the public will be all alarmed, thinking like, "Oh no, oh, they increased my salt." No, and we do it in a very subtle way that they don't, you know. Like I used to do it to my family. I yeah. make smoothies with beets and carrots and and all the and yogurt and all these things, and they have no idea they're getting three servings of vegetables in that smoothie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they think they're eating a smoothie that tastes really good. <laughs> yeah. Because as we know, cereals. They eat. They think yeah. they're eating great cereal, but they don't know they're getting all these great. But if they look in the box, they know that they have fiber, folate, iron, you know, magnesium, copper, all these things added, you know, that to the cereal. 
Yeah. So they used your angelic kind of approach to uh, food and this wellness world to basically uh, make it a bit better. Because as we know, every product is not meant only to be good for us. It's also made for business and money. So let's not blame them. At the same time, thank you so much for being part of this. At least anything bad can be a bit better, Sylvia. Exactly. We're here to help everyone. Exactly. You know, any big companies come, you know, we don't make a ton of money from any no. of that. We, we're, we're nutritionists, you know, um, you know, so for the, but we help them to really, uh, you know, steer people, not just companies, the public, anyone who comes into uh, uh, to require our knowledge. This is our job. It's our responsibility to help everyone. I mean, if a company comes and say, I want to make healthier products. I will not turn them away. That will be irresponsible because they who, who do they go to? The people that don't have the degrees, don't have the knowledge, don't have the expertise in this field. And this is where we come into place to help every single person that comes into, into wants to make a better world for everyone else. And we are here for that, you know, for the love of the game. <laughs> yes. And uh, friends, uh, uh, I would love to talk to Sylvia for other hours, but it's been one hour. So we want you to listen to the world of it. Uh, and uh, let's not waste our energies with bad emotions and bad food. Let's do like Sylvia that is inspiring all of us to be divine, not only within, but also outside. And uh, Sylvia, would you like to, to give the last messages to our friends, guests? Yes, yes. So, you know, if anybody wants to get in hold with me too, I post, I do cooking yeah. classes online and you can find me at, uh, on all social media platforms under Sylvia Klinger, K-L-I-N-G-E-R. Also, hispanicnutrition.com is my website. I have a blog in there. I have a lot of recipes. I concentrate more oh, on the culinary because I love helping people how to cook, but I post recipes every single day, practically. Uh, you can find me on Instagram with S Klinger RD. S Klinger RD, also Twitter uh, at S, S Klinger RD, Facebook and, um, and, and Pinterest, you'll find me as, as a Sylvia Klinger, LinkedIn, also Sylvia Klinger. But you can just Google, you know, Sylvia Klinger and you'll find all my information. Email me, Sylvia at hispanicnutrition.com. Yes. Uh, call me, WhatsApp, whatever. You know, I'm here to help you. And that's my love for you. <laughs> and of course, uh, we are going to write down all these details that uh, Sylvia just mentioned in the uh, writing part above the link of the podcast. And uh, Sylvia, uh, I really hope to discuss another topic with you because uh, we have okay. a short time for the podcast, but I would love to talk to you again because I admire you so much. Oh. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure, Francesca. Let's do it again. Yes, let's do it again. Maybe we choose only one topic. Let's see the reaction of our friends. So then if they have any question, maybe we can go deep with a topic. Prepare my amazing questions and we can help them even more with you. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Anytime. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.